the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here we are somehow at hour three already on Backbone Radio. We started out the show at uh, 97 degrees. Now we're down to 93 degrees. Man, I've been talking so fast and furiously. I thought I could raise the temperature outside a little bit, but it's only gone down four degrees. I guess I, guess I just have that comforting presence. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. I want to get off to the World Economic Forum, Sri Lanka, the Second Amendment, Eva Vlardinger Broek, and a few other issues like about the Dutch farmers and about how the World Economic Forum and the global elites are messing around with the globe's food supply and the effects that's having. I want to head there. But before I embark on some other big, long segment like that. Let's just talk to everybody who's checking in with us, and let's just get a few little side notes in. Apparently, Kamala Harris's chief speechwriter is now departing after less than four months on the job. Megan Groob, G-R-O-O-B, is already calling it quits. (laughs) And also, there's another aide named Rohini Kosuglu, is also leaving the Kamala Harris office. Apparently, that's the longest-serving aide of Kamala Harris. So she's had total turnover, apparently, has had Kamala Harris. And I don't know, why would a speechwriter leave who can write brilliant statements like this? Together, we are expanding access to transportation. Seems like maybe it's a small issue, it's a big issue. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. Um... Okay, so that speechwriter is gone, so maybe we'll have less of this, like, Kamala in outer space stuff and about the passage of time and how amazing and deep thoughts those kind of things are and how we're going to work together to be together, to stay together, to get to where we need to be, to go to work. And, my gosh, folks, what a disaster. What an absolute disaster are Biden and Kamala. And if you doubt me, ask Democrats how they're feeling about Biden and Kamala. Are they getting a little sheepish about it yet? Of course, Jill Biden and her taco statement was so, um, so impressive. I played this in the first hour. I got to just do this again. Comparing Hispanics to tacos. How original. How amazing. How poetic. How insightful. But we can't get those things on our own. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. <laughs> Ooh, hear that, hear that is sort of your strength. murmur of disapproval there. So she's comparing Raul to a taco. Raul, you're just like a breakfast taco, Raul. And, of course, she says bogadas instead of bodegas. Jill Biden, you should not try your hand at Spanish. And apparently the first lady has come out and apologized through an intermediary. 
Michael La Rosa came out on Twitter and said, quote, The First Lady apologizes that her words conveyed anything but pure admiration and love for the Latino community. End quote. So she's apologizing for that. The little taco comment. And I do hasten to point out that the Hispanic community has abandoned the Democratic Party, has abandoned Joe and Jill Biden and Kamala Harris. The highest disapprovals of Joe Biden from any ethnic group in America come from the Hispanic community. And again, the great Myra Flores has won in her southwest Texas congressional district, overturning a permanent Democratic seat, now Republican. And, of course, the New York Times already has come out and labeled her as a right-wing extremist Latina. Oh, yeah. Whereas the legacy of Donald Trump is to bring more Hispanics and more African Americans and more women into the Republican Party. Yes, Hispanic voters apparently are not into this wide-open wide border thing. They're not into all this gender fluidity stuff. Yeah. And um, they're not into being called tacos. I, I looked at some of the Spanish media responding to that, and it wasn't pretty, Jill. wasn't pretty. She had to come out and apologize. By the way, Colorado Democrats have opened public benefits to illegal aliens, and taxpayers have been billed millions this is a Jared Polis idea to ensure – this is from Breitbart, July 14th, John Binder. Illegal aliens will now be eligible for taxpayer-funded subsidies for property taxes, rental costs, and utility bills. That expansion alone will cost taxpayers about $12 million annually. And the effort comes as President Joe Biden's administration has greenlit a plan by Colorado Democrats to give subsidized health insurance to illegal Aliens and Polis has signed legislation into law that will make pregnant illegal aliens and their children eligible for Medicaid beginning in 2025. And um, I will say this as somebody who has spent some years sitting on the state Medicaid board, the Colorado Health Services Board for the state of Colorado, I have a feeling that that's already happening. I'll just say it like that. And that would cost taxpayers about $30 million a year, says Jod Binder and Breitbart. And um, here's the kicker on this article. Colorado's rapid expansion to entice illegal aliens to the state serves as a blueprint on a par with states like California, Illinois, and New York, where illegal aliens are awarded driver's licenses, health insurance, protection from deportation, as well as other benefits. And I do wonder, could one of those other benefits be like voting? Yeah, I just, just wonder about that one. And yes, yes, I am a practicing dentist and I spent, I think I spent six years on the state's um, um, uh, medical services board appointed by Governor Bill Owens. And I learned a lot about Medicaid and how that really works in the state of Colorado. And I, uh, I should do more, uh, more on that uh, around here on air. Speaking of healthcare workers, Colorado has ended its vaccine mandate for healthcare workers. And um, that was a big deal at the time. And when that was pending, I said, you know what? Don't do this. You're going to create a healthcare worker shortage. And my goodness, we have had a healthcare worker shortage in the state of Colorado. And it started right around then. August 2021 is when they, they got that going. Good job, people. Um, anyway, so they've quietly dropped it. And um, I think... You don't see this talked about in the news. You don't hear anybody talking about this. But was it partly because of the healthcare worker shortage, which is blooming drastic in the state of Colorado and all over 
the nation. Okay? And by the way, isn't it nice of Mexico's AMLO, the uh, president of Mexico, Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador, says he's going to help America with his energy problems. He's going to help Texas. He's going to sell gasoline to American companies because Joe Biden will not issue permits to expand gasoline refining capacity in the United States. So Mexico is going to be helping give energy to Texas. And Texas is busily, by the way, begging people to turn down their air conditioners because the wind isn't blowing fast enough and the wind energy isn't working. And I don't know if Jennifer down in Texas has any comments on that, but Mexico is helping us. I tell you what. So Trump leaves office. We had energy independence back when Trump was in office. And now we're like needing help from Mexico to uh, for our energy needs. We're begging the Saudis to produce more oil. We're begging the Venezuelans to produce more oil. And they don't take Biden's calls. What a disaster. We're living through it. Good grief. Let's say hello to Jim in Littleton. And hello, Jim. Thanks for checking in. Uh, good evening, Matt. How are you doing? Oh, doing so well. Well, I wanted to follow up on the Ray Epps deal. I uh, Revolvo's been all over this. And yes. They've been on it for a very long time. One thing that they brought up, and I'm sure you've seen, is concerning the gentleman that's on the tower with the blowhorn. Yes. <laughs> and... Uh, and also, those gentlemen that were tearing down fences, they seem to tag them because their gloves are all the same kind of these people. I don't know if you remember, you saw that. No. These guys hmm. that have been doing all this stuff, the guys that are tearing down the fences, they all have the same type of gloves. And they're kind of like a military-grade kind of camouflage and stuff like this, which means they're kind of got these gloves from the government. I think they're the inference is, I, I'll tell you what, I think this is an FBI sting operation. I think they wanted to get all these people. They wanted to scare the MAGA voters. Um, and I think our government is deeply involved with uh, basically trying to destroy the middle-class American people who voted for Trump. Yep, they're trying to destroy the MAGA movement. And look at the Gretchen Whitmer FBI involvement in that whole canard. Anyway, Jim, thank you. There we go. Refugee from Tom Pity. Bringing us back. That song was like one of his first big ones from the mid-70s. Can you believe it's that long ago? And it still sounds mighty good and mighty fresh. Tom Petty, classic rock. And by the way, do you ever notice that? That, um, you know, you go skiing, you go anywhere, you still hear the classic rock, and all generations can sing along with the the key staple classic rock songs. It's like multi-generational. That's one thing you got to salute our forefathers for and foremothers is the music from the 50s, 60s, 70s. I don't know. Should I draw the line at the 80s? And that everybody likes it. Everybody still likes it. It was just a golden age. I'd like to get that back at some point. By the way, Democrats are nervous in Colorado. Politico essay by Natalie Allison. And um, this is from June 28th. And um, here's the headline. Democrats spending millions to protect two blue state senators. The big ad buys could signal that the races in Washington and Colorado are uncomfortably close for Democrats. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, they're worried in Colorado. They're nervous in Colorado about keeping this state blue. Oh, I wish we didn't have the mail-in ballot, but um, some might say that Joe O'Day is not the ideal candidate to have. But I just said, just, just, eight. Hey, Everyone, just go vote Republican up and down. Just vote Republican. You got to hold your nose on a few issues and a few places, but just do it. Because 
we have got to stop this Democrat control of the state and the Democrat control of the nation because it's killing the country. It's literally destroying America and Colorado. Denver in decay, Denver in decline, Colorado in decline. Have you had enough of it, voters? Just look around you. Just look around you. Speaking of decay and decline, let's get over to Sri Lanka and the World Economic Forum and all of that. Last week I did quite a segment about um, the Dutch farmers' protests, which are just gigantic. The photos, I just can't even believe it. How many tractors that they can get onto the roads and pack the highways and really make a point that they don't want to have to uh, follow the new government dictates to change how they farm in such a way that would put them out of business and put them underwater. And guess what? Um, I just, you know, because I'm digging around all this and reading about this, you see this uh, news story from, uh, let's see, newspunch.com that the World Economic Forum vows to buy up Dutch farmers' land. And it's very interesting is that you start wondering if there's some sort of a global elite plan, obviously, to change how we produce food, to change how agriculture works across the world, maybe driven by a climate fanaticism that they harbor, but maybe just sheerly driven by the urge and the will to power, the urge to buy up the little people, to buy up the middle classes, and to own everything so that only the elites get to own the stuff and you will own nothing and you will be happy eating your bugs, living in your pod, watching your propaganda with your subscriptions. That's the uh, vision for the future that, you know, you're just you're seeing this pop up all the time everywhere. And I am of the opinion that Klaus Schwab, the villain economics professor from, I believe, Germany or is he Austrian? Anyway, I've got his book on the Great Reset. I've been reading it. Um, He's like a total villain. He's like a Bond villain. And I'll do some audio of him here in just a moment. But um, what has been happening in the countries that uh, follow the WEF guidelines and dictates about how to produce food and how to run their economies, well, you get blackouts, you get revolts, and you get famine. And you look at, uh, let's see, three countries, three countries in the world have their ESG scores. Now, ESG is a, uh, is a moniker, an abbreviation used to um, guide investments or to be a set of categories to measure how environmentally sound and socially conscious a country is with how they run their economies and uh, how they operate in general. And uh, the countries that have had the highest ESG ratings are, and here's, I'm flipping the pages so I don't miss one, countries with ESG ratings over 90, which is good, right, by the ESG standards, Netherlands, Ghana, and Sri Lanka. What's happening in those countries right now? Famine, blackouts, revolts. This is not a coincidence, says Jazz Shaw on Twitter. Nice account there. But um, obviously, in the Netherlands, it's uh, complete chaos with their farmers and their agricultural system. And in Sri Lanka, the prime minister and the president just had to get the heck out of Sri Lanka because the protests <laughs> got so overwhelming. I mean, you should see just the hundreds of thousands of people in these pictures, and they're like this battering ram trying to get into the presidential palace, and they got into the pool and all that. But hey, Sri Lanka had an ESG score of 98. How can this be that they screwed up their entire country and their entire economy? Now, 
I saw this essay written in the worldeconomicforum.org website, W-E-F-O-R-U-M.org, in August, August 29th of 2018. This is about four years ago, about exactly four years ago. And it's an essay written by the uh, Prime Minister of Sri Lanka, Ranil Wickremesinghe, who says, this is how I will make my country rich by 2025. He talks about um, uh, how uh, he's talking about his vibrant transition in the Sri Lankan political political landscape that he is bringing on. And he talks about how he's going to empower Sri Lanka by raising incomes, ensuring employment and housing for all and bring opportunities to rural communities by building necessary infrastructure such as roads and bridges. Oh, China, the belt and rail system. Oh, does that sound good? Belt and road system. Yeah, that didn't help when Sri Lanka is trying to pay China back and bankrupting the country. But also Sri Lanka, this PM in 2018, was going to generate green energy. They're going to go all out, double down on green energy. And now like he's like fleeing Sri Lanka because he followed the WEF dictates on how to make sure that Sri Lanka becomes the jewel of Asia. You know, the, the, this great... Uh, you know, um, oh, I forgot the phrase in this article. It's in here somewhere. But they're they're going to make this, you know, the the shining star, the uh, the mansion on the hill for Asia to show how you can really do it well. And look what happened. And look what is happening in the high ESG economy uh, of the Netherlands. So, all right, you start thinking about these things and what's going on with the WEF. And I'll get to uh, this commentator, um, Eva Vlardingerbroek. I got some new clips from her when she talks about um, how right now uh, they're, they're kind of sitting ducks in the Netherlands. They, re- they really can't protect and defend themselves against these government dictates. And the uh, prime minister, Mark Root, R-U-T-T-E, who is uh, one of the WEF's young global leaders, and he's, he seems to be interested in commandeering the land of – the Dutch farmers that have been in their, you know, families for generations by, and that's how they do it. They, they, they tweak the bureaucratic guidelines. They, um, they find ways to, oh, well, you have to have this amount of nitrogen and, you know, used in fertilizer and if you, you can't use more. And, um, that, is that a way to bankrupt them so that the WEF or that uh, the government can end up taking over the land? In straight up communism, they just go in and take it. They just go in and throw you off the land, but maybe, the more sophisticated WEF variant of communism is to set up these regulations and these bureaucratic uh, codes and dictates that end up forcing people off their land and bankrupting them. And then, oh, they're there to pick up the pieces and suddenly they own the stuff. And you think about Bill Gates buying up huge quantities of land in the United States of America. Something is up here, folks, when they're, they're messing with the world food production. They're already saying that uh, Putin is going to be the to blame if there's any food problems going forward. It's going to be Putin's fault. And, hmm, is, is what's going on in Sri Lanka, the, the famine, the fuel shortages, the energy, is that, is that Putin's fault? All right, all right. We'll keep looking at this. Be right back. Yeah, I like the Lucius version of that Jerry Rafferty song right down the line. I bring that out once in a while. I remember I heard that one day in a coffee house somewhere, and I thought, i got to find who that is. I go up to the counter, who does that song? Who's playing that? Who, who is that? And they took their time to go back and look on the machine, and they told me the answer. It was Lucius. And I said, well, of course, it's Lucius. Anyway, 
Welcome back. We're in Sri Lanka right now. We're talking World Economic Forum. And Klaus Schwab does need to be a household name, a household villain, okay? You got to know who this person is. And I am a little amazed that, you know, you talk to people, high IQ people in your social circle, and you ask, you ever heard of the WEF? You ever, you ever heard of Klaus Schwab? And no one seems to know this guy. It's just us intellectual types around here that pay attention to current events in deep detail and can penetrate propaganda and who listen to talk radio that know this stuff. And that's a huge story. Messing with the globe's food supply is a very big deal, especially if we are potentially on the verge of food shortages across the globe. Keep your eyes out for this stuff, okay? Sri Lanka is a textbook WEF disaster, as is the Netherlands and let me just bring a little Eva Vlardingerbroek in here. I've been playing some of her clips in the past, oh, two months now. This is a name you need to know. She's, uh, I believe, from Holland. She lives in Sweden, but she comments on GB News, where Mike St- Mark Stein comments and Neil Oliver. But she's asked about these, these Dutch farmer protests and what's really going on there, and she has a few things to say. And by the way, the kicker on this is she says, you in America... You have a Second Amendment. You must do everything in your power to preserve your Second Amendment because we don't have it here in the Netherlands, and we are sitting ducks because of it. See, the Second Amendment makes the global elites nervous. That's what that whole thing is about. They're coming for your guns, right, Mitch McConnell, Mitt Romney, Lindsey Graham, the rhinos joining the Dems in this? Anyway, Eva Vlardingerbroek on the Dutch farmer protests. You've said that these Dutch farmers are rising up against what you've called the communist agenda of the global elites. What did you mean by that? Well, it's communism to the T. If the state comes in and says, I'm going to take away your property for a so-called greater good, I don't know what could be more you know, essential to communism than that. So it's communism, and I'm saying that it's, it's being done on a global scale because this is part of a bigger agenda than just the agenda of the Dutch government. Yes, it's true that the Dutch government wants the, the farmer's land for one reason is to, to house new immigrants, but this is also because they are following an agenda called the 2030 agenda. These are, these are restrictions and, and climate regulations that are, that are imposed all over the world. So we're being hit hardest right now, and we might be the first ones, but it's very important for other people to know that they could be coming to you next. Is the climate stuff the excuse for the communists to seize land, to destroy the middle class? Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it just a pure power equation? I kind of wonder, folks. Let's hear another one. As an example of these restrictions in Sri Lanka, the government abruptly banned chemical fertilizers in an attempt to become 100% organic. Now, a food and economic crisis is devastating the country. Do you think we're going to see more of these policies and protests continue? Yes, yes. We already see now that in Italy, farmers have gone out on the street as well. In Poland, farmers are going out. So it's spilling over, which is a really good sign, because like I said, these restrictions are going to be uh, very relevant for everyone, because it's obviously it's a global agenda. They want us to eat bugs. <laughs> they want us to eat the fake meat that they produce. So it's it's very clear that this is not something that just the Dutch people will be subjected to. And that's why we need your support from other countries. Yep, I'm still a big no on the eating bugs thing. How about you? Anybody with me? No bugs? Not going to eat the bugs? We're not going to do it. Sorry, Bill Gates and the WEF Klaus Schwab people. No bugs. By the way, in Italy, 
Mario Draghi, the prime minister, has、uh, stepped down. He's、uh, the government there facing collapse. Another WEF protege in Italy. Poof, gone. Huh. But let's get to the kicker on the Second Amendment, which, as somebody just texted into studio, the guardian of all the other amendments. You don't have the Second Amendment, you've got nothing. You've got no other amendments. You've got just the power elite running roughshod over you and your family and your career and your land and everything else, folks. Let's hear Eva Vlardinger Broek say it. And what do you think Americans can take away from what's happening in the Netherlands? Well, I, from a Dutch perspective, I would say that Americans should be very happy that they have a Second Amendment and that you should protect that with all your, all your strengths. Got that? Got that? And do you understand the perspective with which I defend the Second Amendment? Because it makes the global elites nervous. They do not like it that the American middle class, the American working class, is armed and is able to defend themselves and defend their rights. That makes the World Economic Forum nervous. That makes the rhinos nervous. That makes the American ruling class nervous, and they'll be coming for your guns in any way they possibly can. From now moving forward, and this is part of the context of why. Because they want their power. They want to own everything. They don't want you to own anything. They want to be able to censor and silence anybody they want to. They want to be able to surveil anybody they want to in the American population. Yes, the surveillance state, that's part of the January 6th motivation. Is to perpetuate the domestic surveillance state in addition to finding some excuse they can charge Trump with, which will backfire if they go full third world with all of that, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let's get to a very interesting clip about Sri Lanka. And again, we've talked about how the、uh, president and prime minister of Sri Lanka have been booted out of Sri Lanka. And there's this nice essay from 2018 in the World Economic Forum website, weforum.org, from 2018, talking about the glowing successes they're going to have in Sri Lanka because they're going to be doing all the green stuff and the WEF stuff. And now look where it got them, right? But this is one thing, one thing that I do think that that sort of wild, crazy man named Glenn Beck gets right. I think you know, he's such an unstable guy, it's hard to trust him, but. He is good on the WEF stuff. And let's hear Glenn Beck talk about WEF and Sri Lanka. And I think what he says here is something that really resonates with me. How about you? To the global economic elite, Sri Lanka was the jewel of Asia. The World Economic Forum showered them with praise. In one of their puff pieces highlighting Sri Lanka's leadership of the rest of the world, the article was titled, This is How We Will Make Sri Lanka Rich by 2025. That was four years ago, and now they're bankrupt. So what happened? Well, the usual crap that we hear from the overlords in Davos,、um, and it was all described in that WEF article, Sri Lanka was to concentrate on a social economy. Spending millions in the transformation to a new kind of capitalism. They would double down on green energy. Any of this sound familiar? How about this? Sri Lanka cut taxes, but also didn't cut spending. In fact, in order to fuel the great reset of their economy, they began printing cash at unprecedented levels because they had a green economy they just had to serve. 
And because everything went green and they needed it right now, they upended their farming and agricultural production. Any of this sound familiar to anyone? Everything had to be organic and everything had to be grown with new rules. Now, the World Economic Forum said it was going swimmingly. Four years into it, uh, we need to update the scorecard. This is what followed that initial push. Bankruptcy, inflation, default, shortages of food, shortages of commodities, shortages of fuel, violence in the streets. And in the end, the organizations that supported them and pushed them in that direction, the organizations like the IMF and the World Economic Forum, just walked away. Remember what they did to Sri Lanka the next time you hear Klaus Schwab say, now is time for great reset. Whenever you hear him say that, whenever you hear about Build Back Better, whenever you hear about our agricultural industry needing to go green, whenever you hear about how Russia is causing the gas prices, I want you to think Sri Lanka. There you go. Glenn Beck, that's a ringer of a clip right there. This is the kind of stuff we need to be thinking about and aware of. And ought to give us extra reason to want to defend our precious Second Amendment in this country. ESG, by the way, stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And it's a category the leftists use. And BlackRock is real big on pushing ESG kind of stuff to to kind of veer investment away from fossil fuels and into the green stuff. And where where is that getting us? Blackouts? Revolts? Famine? Folks, uh... There's an awful lot to go into here. I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg, but let's run with it. Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio, be right back. There we go. The King, Elvis Presley, bringing us back with a sacred number. Joshua fit the battle around Jericho with the Jordan airs in the background. I just love that song. I love all the Elvis gospel music. I hope you... You find a way to listen to a little Elvis gospel and the regular Elvis. And again, I keep promoting this new Elvis movie out that people keep telling me is great and amazing and wonderful. I haven't seen it yet. But the new Elvis biopic is in the theaters. I think it's over over at the Shea Artiste right now. Wonderful theater over there. Meanwhile, the Biden war on women... And war on babies continues because, yeah, the baby formula shortage is deepening, according to the Wall Street Journal. Oh, man. Our elites that want to manage the global economy, the world economy, and tell us how to farm and how to raise wheat and other stuff, they uh, they can't even get baby formula right. And Colorado is one of the state's hardest hit, according to IRI data. See that Wall Street Journal article on that in Bloomberg.com. Headline, July 8th, baby formula shortage worsens as stock drops below 60% in some states. Oh, man. The Biden administration's war on babies. Like I said, I, I have some friends just had baby twins a little bit, little bit early, a little bit premature. And so they won't be able to breastfeed. They need formula. And they are, you should see those parents having to bend over backwards and search every website and try to buy baby formula, what they are going through is incredibly stressful in Biden's disastrous America, folks. You Biden voters, any Biden voters out there, how are you liking it? You're still proud of your guy? Speaking of the war on women, 
University of Pennsylvania has nominated Leah Thomas for the NCAA's Woman of the Year Award. You know the swimmer, the biological male who wins the women's swimming events. Anyway, good for them. But anyway, not everybody is liking this to nominate Leah Thomas for the Woman of the Year Award. Riley Gaines is a University of Kentucky swimmer who was also nominated for the award. She tweeted, um, quote, This is yet another slap in the face to women. End quote. Yeah. Yeah. This is a New York Post story from today by Gabrielle Von Rouge. And, um, yeah, that's, this, it's just the weird, sick, twisted world we live in right now. How do you like it, folks? It's just, just not sustainable. Totally unsustainable. Even Maria, Martina, <laughs> Martina Navratilova also criticized the decision of UPenn to nominate Leah Thomas for the NCAA's Woman of the Year Award. She says, what is wrong with you, question mark, and then six exclamation points, and then another question mark. She tweeted that response to the NCAA. Yeah, there we go. So, um, you know, it's the uh, just the disastrous Biden era we are living through, and all gender is fluid, and you know the deal. And I've been talking about ESG, ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance, the big investment scam that is going on, the way the fascists commandeer billions of dollars, your own 401K, your own IRA, your own savings ends up being used against you and your best interest. What a scam. Nobody is better on that than Vivek Ramaswamy. And uh, let's just hear him mention this little deal. If you've got the CEOs of Exxon, Shell, Chevron, and ConocoPhillips in a room, say, and they coordinated to say we're going to reduce gas production and gas prices spike as a result, that'd be the stuff of movies. There'd be handcuffs. People would be locked up on antitrust violations. Yet today, when the largest owners of those firms effectively direct them and mandate them to do the same thing, somehow that gets celebrated as ESG instead. That's a problem, but we think the right solution is competition. That's what we're bringing to the table. So he's talking about BlackRock and Vanguard there. They're, in his view, they're colluding to uh, divert resources away from fossil fuels. Huh. Yeah, if Exxon and uh, some of the other big corporate titans did that, well, that'd be a big deal. But, oh, if uh, BlackRock does it with their tentacles all through the Biden administration or Vanguard does it, well... Shouldn't that be antitrust stuff? Well, Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas, a.k.a. Arkansas, has this to say about that little deal. Senator Cotton recently wrote a letter to BlackRock raising questions about the company's ESG activities, and we want to thank him for joining us. And that's where I want to go with this conversation, Senator, because you have been uh, outspoken um, and recently, as we said, just wrote this letter to BlackRock effectively saying that their policies – um, and their power and influence over companies around ESG are too much. What, what's the argument you're making? And then, and then we can maybe dig into it. Well, Andrew, what Larry Fink and BlackRock have done, in part uh, through collusion with this climate action partnership, is essentially create a climate cartel. They are trying to suppress investment in the fossil fuel industry in America. And I know you have a lot of CEOs and investors who watch. I would just say this. If you're thinking about joining this climate cartel, you better think again and you better lawyer up. There's a reason why America's top law firms are already advising their clients to be wary here, because this is contributing to $5 a gallon gas. 
And when Republicans take charge in November, I'm going to make sure that the Congress is investigating these matters. This is almost certainly a breach of these firms' fiduciary duties, probably a civil violation of the antitrust laws, exposing them to triple damages, and very possibly a criminal violation. So Tom Cotton is speaking up on this, and I salute him for that. He's a bit of a neocon, but... Sometimes he gets some things right. Going after BlackRock right there, well done, Tom Cotton. At any rate, I'm connecting the World Economic Forum, the WEF, sometimes in jest. I call it the WTF, if you get my drift. Get it? WEF at WTF. Anyway. And um, Eva Vlardinger-Broek, who, by the way, you spell. Somebody just texted in and they wanted to hear how the Eva, E-V-A, Vlardinger-Broek, and that's a one heck of a long Dutch name, V-L-A-A-R-D-I-N-G-E-R-B-R-O-E-K. Hopefully you got that. I can't believe that I can spell that name that readily, but I just can. I guess it's just a, it's just a talent. I probably pronounce it wrong, but I at least can spell it right. Lord knows how I pronounce names. That, that's my, one of my key weaknesses as a host. I mispronounce everybody's name, everybody's, even Devin Nunez's. Or is it Nunez or is it Nunes? I always want to say Nunes. Anyway, I took, I've taken heat for that over the years, but I, I can take it. Believe me, I can take it. I've developed a thick skin over the years. At any rate, I was going to do a segment on the founding father's home residence as I ran out of time. By the way, Climate Mob tweets in Alexa and uh, Climate Cartel, says Cotton. But um, there's an interesting essay in the New York Post yesterday about Founding Father James Madison sidelined by woke history in his own home. And I'll be, if I can, do a segment on this next week. But Montpellier, I've been to this. This is where James Madison's uh, home is, uh, was, is. And um, apparently it's been purchased by some, uh, some like billionaire named David M. Rubenstein from the Carlyle Group, who's a big friend of uh, Glenn, what's the governor, uh, Glenn Youngkin, another Carlyle guy, governor of Virginia. And they have... Uh, they have completely made this like Madison's Montpellier. The writer of the Constitution has turned into this like woke history place that doesn't have any exhibits about what Madison actually did. Quote, not a single exhibit at Montpellier focuses on James Madison's life and accomplishments. My gosh. Um, what a, what a, it's like a coordinated effort to undermine the fit legacy of the founders in this country. And I've been, I'm a big fan of uh, Monticello. I've been there many times. I love Thomas Jefferson. I have a whole bookshelf of Mon- Thomas Jefferson. And if you look at what's going on at Monticello, it's become completely woke over the years. And apparently it's like a – it might even be the same owner. So they're, they're trying to commandeer the founder's residence, Monticello, Montpellier, and convert it into wokeness, pure wokeness. Ah, I'll do more on that. It's like not a good thing in my humble opinion. Anyway, Javier, my man, thank you back there. Matt Dunn, Backbone Radio, signing out. We'll see you next Sunday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.